Please join me in the reading the litany of invitation and confession printed in your order of worship. We believe in God who created the world. Praise you, Creator God. We believe in God who loves all people. Praise you, loving God. Sometimes we feel broken, so Lord, make us whole again. Praise you, God of mercy and compassion who binds up our wounds with a healing hand. Our heart's desire is to bring our gifts and lives in service to God and neighbor. And yet we confess that we have failed to serve you with our whole heart. So we ask you for forgiveness, God. Sisters and brothers, we are forgiven. God's love and grace are without end. In gratitude... Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church on this very cool Sunday morning. Uh, If you want to uh, sit closer and snuggle, feel free to do that. The heater didn't come on at 3 or 4 o'clock this morning, so we had to turn it on a little bit later. So the heat will catch up, but until then, feel free to sit closely. Ours is a close communion. Welcome especially to those of you who are guests among us. We are glad that you are here and share uh, the day uh, with us. Uh, Ava Grace Cook is our worship leader today. Uh, Daniel has helped us involve more children, along with Anna Kate, in our worship services. And so children becoming youth are part of our leadership now. So Ava Grace, we appreciate you helping lead us today. Uh, Daniel Hedrick, our associate pastor, will be preaching today and bringing the communion meditation that will uh, lead us to the table. So welcome. Now one other thing. Um, It would be inappropriate to move too quickly into the praise of God today without naming the loss that's in our hearts. Because this week, as uh, most of you have heard, uh, our last charter member died on Wednesday this week and that was Louise Davis. And so the service will be this afternoon, but we bring our grief into this sacred space, but we also bring our gratitude, the gratitude for having been loved by her and the joy of loving her all of these years. And so as we deal with our grief and our gratitude, we open our hearts to the scriptures, to the songs, and for a part of the healing. At this time now, we... We open our hearts and ears as we hear from the Psalms, the Scriptures. Welcome. Welcome. 
God heals the brokenhearted, lifts the oppressed, and blesses the children. A reading from the Psalms. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God, for he is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us say our prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your forgiveness and mercy. We thank you for being a loving and gracious God. And we love you for forgiving us for our sins. We ask you to be present in the lives of the family of Louise Davis. We thank you for blessing us with Miss Davis, and thank you for her contributions to the church. Help us to have more strong and inspiring women like Miss Louise Davis. We recognize that there is violence in our world and even in our communi- communities. Many children are bullied, even at my school. We pray that those who inflict violence realize that violence is not the answer. We also pray that you be with the victims of bullying. Help us to stand up to bullies and stand up for those who are bullied. Help us to take a stand in our community and inspire others to do so as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christians are compelled to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. This means meeting people where they are. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. (coughs) For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. 
I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. Here ends the second lesson. I'm so glad you're all here. I brought with me a drill. A drill that screws in screws. Have any of you ever seen one of these before or used one? What do you do with it? You make stuff with it. Yeah, you build things together. You put stuff together with it. That's right. I used it a few years ago. I was at my grandparents' house, and they had a pond, a pond with lots of catfish in it, and I helped them rebuild their dock. So I used this to screw in the screws to hold the dock together. But it was hot. It was very hot that day, and it took the whole day to make this dock. And so when the day was over, I was exhausted. I was so tired. Have you ever felt really, really tired? Why? What what were you doing that made you so tired? Yes, if you stay up too late, you get really tired. Why else? What else could you have done to make you exhausted? You worked too much. Yeah, maybe you school was just really exhausting that day. Maybe there was so much homework and reading that you had to do. Maybe you were tired of being around your friends. Sometimes people can exhaust us, right? Did you know that Jesus also got exhausted? Jesus would get tired and overwhelmed from all of the people that he had to see and all the places that he went. And he would even go away and rest. He would take care of himself to make sure that he could keep going and keep doing the things that God wanted him to do. And that's important for us, too. When we get tired and exhausted, we should stop and take a breath, rest, so that we can keep going and be healthy to continue doing what God wants us to do. Okay? So this week, whenever you feel just so tired, I want you to take a second, take a few minutes, and be still. Maybe pray, talk to God, and let yourself be healthy, okay? Because that's very important. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the example that he taught us that it's important to take care of ourselves so that we can be healthy. Help us be still this week when we might feel exhausted. In your name we pray. Amen.
Jesus provides us a healing touch to all who come to him. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ava Grace, for being a wonderful worship leader this morning. We're blessed by your presence, and the gospel story that you just read to us is about the healing of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And she was struck by a fever, and then Jesus raised her to service. And when I was thinking about that text this week, I couldn't help but think of our very own Louise Davis, who died on Wednesday. Louise embodied a life of service. She gave of herself tirelessly. She was a disciple of Jesus who cared deeply about the life of the church. And in our many reflections on her life, may we hear the echo of God's voice in the Gospel of Mark, which teaches us about having a heart of service. And, And that's what I'd like to preach to you about this morning, having a heart of service. Last week we heard the story of Jesus healing the demon-possessed man in the synagogue in Capernaum. And Mark continues that story with what happened after the synagogue service. It is presumably Saturday Shabbat service, church just let out. And folks for thousands of years have always wanted to do the same thing when church lets out. Go and eat. I remember growing up, we had what had become known in our family as Sunday lunch. It it eventually assumed canonical status so that we could, in our family, just say, Sunday lunch, and everybody in the family would know what that entailed. Of course, that's uh, slow-cooked roast beef with gravy, rich mashed potatoes, Cornbread sticks and a cast iron skillet. Country style green beans, cream corn, that's Sunday lunch. I see some of you heading for the exit to get lunch early. <laughs> if we just served Sunday lunch instead of that white loaf bread at church, a lot of people would have showed up to church, no doubt. So here is Jesus and Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, and, and I imagine the way it went down. Peter said to them, Hey, why don't you come over to my mother-in-law's house for for dinner? And the whole group descended on Peter's mother-in-law's house. And we aren't told her name, so we have to keep saying Peter's mother-in-law. We're not told Peter's wife's name either. I, I wish Mark had not been in such a hurry to get us through the story that he had just 
slowed down and told us who the people were in the story. And mother-in-laws, they kind of get a bad rap anyway. You'd think they'd get a break here in the Bible. Just, just give us her name. And they get to the home, and there's a problem. The mother-in-law has a fever. And she may very well have been at death's door. Because folks back then, they didn't know that fever was the sign of some underlying condition. It was the illness in the ancient world. And, of course, they didn't have ibuprofen to help manage the fever. And we're in the midst of a pretty devastating flu season in our country right now. Each year they come out with the the flu shot, and it's based on a new formulation every year because the, the virus is always mutating. And last year, I was the last person in our family to get the flu shot. I don't like needles much, and, uh, you know, I said, it hurts. And um, I kept making excuses, and Jenny would say, uh, have you gotten the flu shot yet? Have you gotten the flu shot yet? And I'd say, not yet. Well, you know, I put it off for so long that eventually I got the flu instead of the flu shot. And I I remember, this was last year, about a year ago, I was lying in bed with those layers of clothes and the extra blankets shivering, and I'd reach out to my phone and text my family, pray for me, I'd say. I'm the kind of person, I want the elders of the church to gather around my bed and anoint my head with oil and pray for me like it says to do that in the book of James, right? I want the homemade chicken soup brought in on a tray with the appropriate number of saltine crackers layered. But it was the fever, you see, that got me, the fever. It it kept coming back. It would not give up. And and I felt like it never would leave. I kept saying, when is this fever going to break? And that whole time when I had the fever, I I couldn't do anything. I, I was so passive. I just wanted to be waited on, served, attended. Well, now you know, Jenny puts up with a lot. Peter's mother-in-law, she's, she's laid up in bed. That fever's got a strong hold of her, and the whole family is crowded around the entrance to the room, I imagine. The little nieces and nephews are poking their heads in. When is Mama going to wake up, they say. And Jesus comes into her. He takes her hand, and it says he, he raises her. And just like that, the fever breaks. Now, why do you think Mark would tell us that detail, that he touched her? I mean, Jesus could have healed this woman a million different ways, couldn't he? He he could have just said a word outside the house on the way in, and the fever would have broken. He could have desired it in his mind, it would have broken. But he didn't do that. He touched her hand, and he raised her. And what is it about the touch that conveys so much power? You know, there is an intimacy to touch that words cannot convey. There is a closeness to touch that our best expressions cannot grasp. It is also the curiosity of the incarnation that that prompts, I think, Jesus to reach out in compassion and touch another human being. It is the touch that breaks the fever and, and you heard the scripture read. Did you, did you hear what she did? Mark is in such a hurry to tell us. He, he just skips over it. But as soon as the fever breaks, it says, she served them. She began to serve them. 
You know, in our Wednesday morning Bible study group, we had kind of fun with that. They said, just like a man to expect a woman to get up and cook the meal after being healed. And many have read this passage with concern about the patriarchy of biblical times. And, the, you know, the mother-in-law wasn't named, after all, because maybe women weren't important enough to be named. And, and the mother-in-law serves because, well, that was a, the woman's place in ancient society to serve the men in her life. Maybe so. Maybe so. But there is a deeper register to the text. The, the text, I think, touches us deeper than the historical context allows. The word that Mark uses is diakoneo. Diakoneo, he says. He has some interesting stories about diakoneo. You know, when Jesus was thrust out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, Mark tells us that the angels served him. Diakoneo. One day, James and John came to him and asked Jesus if they could sit at his left and right hand when he ascended to glory. And you know, those two, we're told in this story, they were there at Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house. They saw the fever. They saw it break. They saw her get up and serve. And yet here they come, asking for a life of glory and power and not service. And you know what Jesus said to them? He said, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The angels served Jesus. Jesus came to serve. He called all his disciples to serve. So instead of seeing Peter's mother-in-law is a victim of patriarchy. We, we can see her as doing something rather remarkable, actually, because the male disciples, they never seem to figure out what service is about. But Peter, mother-in-law, she realizes immediately that the natural outflowing of the Spirit when Jesus' healing touch comes was to be a servant. And she is the first true disciple in the Gospel of Mark. She reacts to Jesus' touch by serving. And maybe, it strikes me that maybe having a fever is a metaphor for the lives of passivity which it is so easy to lead. You know, to be observers and audience members instead of participants in the reign of God. But when the fever breaks, our hearts open wide to service. You'll be hearing from the nominating committee in the next few weeks and Dr. Melissa Bokhaus will be our new chair of the nominating committee. Thank you, Melissa, for doing that. We were talking recently about service, and she said that when she was a little girl, that she spent most of her time playing in the church, rolling under the pews, playing hide-and-seek in the classrooms, the sound booth, and the balcony. And she said as she looked back, she wondered why she had all that unsupervised time in church, and she said it was because her mom was at choir meetings, her dad was mowing the church lawn. Her parents were setting up for fellowship and cleaning up. And she says, as a child, you know, we just think these things magically happen. But the reality is none of these things happen without the adults making it happen. Now, she learned what it meant from her parents about a life of service. And, you know, just in the last few weeks, our, many of you have responded to 
a number of calls for service. There will be a new lay reader group that many of you have agreed to be part of. Caitlin Cook-Fur and Will Bell will be co-chairing a committee to look at environmentally sustainable practices for our church. Allison Rowland is going to be a worship leader in March, and she's looking into ways in which we can create a prayer garden on our church property. Garrett Ray illustrated the sermon a few weeks back, and I recruited him again this morning to do one soon. Ava Grace led us in worship. Service. And just last week, we gathered for the the Super Bowl Sunday and raised so much money for the Hunger Fund. I think we almost broke a record last week. A life of service is within the church leads to service outside the church walls. And soon, there'll be a time of discernment for new deacons. I remember not so long ago when I was called to this church that we were ordaining a new group of deacons. Corbin, Susan, and Marie were there in the chapel. There was a laying on of hands. And the church communicated its healing call to service through touch. Because touch is a touch of reciprocity in the church. When Jesus gathered his disciples around the table, he broke the bread and he poured out the wine. And he would give all of himself. And over the course of the disciples' life, they learned how to give back. I know that each time I serve communion, I see the look in your eye as I say, the bread of heaven, the cup of salvation. The look is such that I cannot tell in that moment who is serving communion and who is receiving. In a moment, we'll be invited to the table, and God's healing touch will be there in the broken body and in the blood in the bread and in the wine. And Jesus offers healing. How will you respond? It is our tradition that when a word is offered, a time of invitation and dedication is also offered. Thank you, Daniel, for the gift of self and sermon and call that you've extended to us. The, the hymn we're going to sing is about a hand. When you think about it, the, the, the thing that connected the one being healed and the one who is the healer in the text is the hand, where the hand of the Lord is extended. This is written by a hymn writer named Dorsey. He wrote it on an occasion of great trial and tribulation for him when his wife and his baby uh, daughter were both killed. He tried to pin, pin where his strength comes from and a prayer, 
And it was this prayer, precious Lord, take my hand. That's what we'll sing. Let's stand together and do so. seated. Whenever a family gathers around the table, there's always news to share. Some of the news is we have a new family member today. Mike, would you come and stand? And Susan, would you come and stand with him? Some of you have been getting to know Mike Mosley over the last several weeks and months, and uh, some news broke about Mike uh, a few weeks ago, and it was that you have a fiancé. Yes, I do. you do. And it is Susan, is it not? That's why she's up here. It's a package deal. There you go. Well, a part of what we need to do today is to look him in the face and with a serious look say, you better be good to her. I've been threatened by that by him already. All right. All right. Well, we just wanted to get it. Uh, let that be entered in the minutes. Okay. And so Mike comes joining our church today. He's moving his membership from... First United Methodist Church in Dadeville, Alabama. And uh, he was baptized and uh, confirmed and comes as a bona fide Christian. And so he comes joining our church. And with that invitation, uh, do you join with me in welcoming him? If you would, lift a hand. Thank you. And with that hand comes our hopes and prayers. Sometimes we say things like this when a person joins. As members of Northside Drive Baptist Church, we welcome you, Mike. 
as you join us in this, this adventure of faith and faithful uh, community. We offer you our love, our history, and our hope. We value your story and, of faith and invite you to serve with us as stewards of God's grace. Mike, welcome. And Susan, thanks for bringing him. You can have a seat here, and at the end of the service, Sid will introduce you to all these folk. Uh, Along with this good news, this coming Sunday, there will be a family missions luncheon right after morning worship. That'd be next week, where our children will make handmade Valentine cards for many in the church, some of which aren't able to attend, and that'll be a special gift to give them. Also, on this coming Tuesday, uh, will be our Triple E Valentine Banquet. That would be our retirees group. And uh, there was a misprint on the edge of your order of worship. It is not at 11 p.m. on Tuesday. Although, although Hal Meeks, who's providing entertainment, I'm sure, could do some Wilson picket and wait till the midnight hour. But it will be at noon on Tuesday, at noon on Tuesday in the Fellowship Hall, and is always a wonderful time of fellowship. And then, this afternoon, uh, in memory of Louise and in gratitude to God, at 1.30 there will be a reception in our Fellowship Hall, and I appreciate all that are helping make that happen for the family. And then at 3 p.m. in our sanctuary will be the funeral. Um, We'll be having communion in just a little bit, and whenever I say the words of invitation, joining our voices with all the company of heaven, and then sing the Sanctus, I'll be listening for Louise's soprano, and perhaps you will hear her as well. We will celebrate communion at the rail today. The choir will come first, and the ushers will bring folk up the center aisle. You can kneel on this side or kneel on that side. It will be by intention, by dipping the bread in the cup and then eating. Or if you'd like to simply come and receive a blessing, feel free to do that as well. Um, We'll be serving at the rail, but if you'd like to just stand in front of the rail, that's all right as well. It's a time of healing that we need and comfort, given that we are going through this time of grief. The uh, special music that we will hear for our offertory is that. It speaks of a balm, a salve, something that will help us get through the broken times of life. At this time, let's continue the worship of God by the giving of tithes and offerings.
And today we are healed through song as well as through the gift of communion. There is an insert in your order of service for the service of Holy Communion. At this time, let us read responsively the Sorsum Corda. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing every, every always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven, who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing, On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, on this day through this meal that speaks of both thanksgiving and sacrifice. Recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, we celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people, all of God's people are welcome to this table. Take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen. Jesus, Lamb of God, have mercy on us. Jesus, our sins, have mercy on us. Jesus,
Gather for prayer. All loving God, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table, for we have celebrated the presence of Christ among us. So deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.
Benediction means good word, so hear this good word. For the brokenhearted, may God bind up your wounds. For those who celebrate, may God celebrate and rejoice with you. For those who in the deep brokenness and pain of their life seek healing, may God reach out and touch you at this very moment, so that you may go forth from this place with a heart of service to all you meet. In Christ's name, amen.
just go on that credenza back there? A little side.
not hear you. I sang for two services this morning. I've been here since 8.30, sir. So.